there, good morning, afternoon, or evening. Whatever time of today it is that you're listening or wherever you are located, thank you so much for joining me in a new episode of Project 25. Today I have a very special episode because it's very much related to my lived experiences as well as the experiences of many people who are very dear to me and who have accompanied me and I have accompanied them in the past seven years. Today we are going to talk about voluntary migration in our 20s, although this episode and all the information that's coming is relevant for any age, really. So I'd like to introduce you to this wonderful guest, Irene del Valle. Irene is a multicultural counselor and integrative therapist, as well as a specialist in relationships and couples and in immigrants, multicultural couples, and families. Irene is also Mexican, an immigrant, and the author of the book, Nor From Here, Nor From There, an incredible book that narrates the psychological processes that we as immigrants experience, which also include her own personal stories and experiences from her patients, who talk about everything they lived and endured being far away from home. I loved this book because it really helped me to understand everything that I've been through and that I still experience every now and then because, you know, everything's a process. <laughs> But to realize that feelings that emerge from immigration are valid and normal and, you know, reassure myself that I'm not crazy and if you're an immigrant and you experience these feelings, I like to tell you that you are not crazy either <laughs> and that you're not alone. I really wish I had this book seven years ago because I consider it an essential manual for immigrants and for people who are looking to immigrate as well. But as Irene says, it's never too late to learn. So just so you're aware, in this episode, we talk about what is migratory grief, the romanticization of immigration, tools and advice to deal with migratory grief in a healthy way, how to immigrate consciously, vulnerability and identity abroad, the benefits of intercultural relationships, and many more things. So before I let you listen to this conversation, I just want to say how special it was to be able to make this episode because it was done with a lot of love by immigrants for immigrants. So from the bottom of my chicken heart, I hope that you enjoy it and that it helps you in your migratory process if you're in one and that it feels like a pat in the back for all of those who are far away from home. And last but not least, it doesn't matter how long you've been an immigrant, if you're a recent one, if you've been in your new country for 10 years, I just hope that it also helps you to realize that it is possible to be both from here and from there. Project 25 was born out of the obsession that we have with figuring things out. Being a 25-year-old or a 20-something is a lot. It's fun and exciting, but also confusing and weird. It's an age where we realize that maybe the goals we had for ourselves weren't really ours to begin with, an age of tons of learning and unlearning, and an age of frequently asking ourselves, what am I doing with my life? And that leaves us with a lot of uncertainty. I'm Andrea Juarez, and I created this project when I hit my quarter-life crisis. <laughs> Looking for answers, I decided to ask my family members, friends, and people I admire about their experiences being 25, what has changed, what they've learned, and their advice for the new generation of 20-somethings. Hello, Irene. 
Welcome to Project 25. It is a great pleasure to have you here. I read your book and followed your work for several months now. And I think it is so important and so valuable for people, especially right now where there's like so much globalization and everyone's just moving like all around the world. And also because I feel like us immigrants talk a lot about the ups and downs that we live. And I don't think there is a lot of content out there about these experiences. What we see outside is mostly the positive side. So thank you for normalizing these experiences through your work and for all that you do. Uh, Andrea, thank you for inviting me to your podcast, Project 25. It is a pleasure to be here. And I also want to congratulate you for creating this space, this podcast, to talk about the dark or the hidden side of migration, the real side. Yes. Um, <laughs> But normally, as you said, in social media, what it is visible is this idealized and romantic version of migration and expat life. So congratulations for you too. Thank you. Yeah, I've had a lot of immigrants in the podcast, so I think it's important to talk about this. <laughs> so yes, and like you say, right, like we really fall for the romantic version. And then when we start struggling, we ask ourselves why. So yeah, it's really important to be honest about this topic. And now as we start, can I ask you to share with us your age titles and a little bit about yourself? Of course. Well, I'm now 35 years old. I'm an individual and couple psychotherapist. I work with multicultural couples and I intervene with the Gottman method. I'm also specialized in grief, especially migratory grief. And I also have trained myself in trauma with the Mexican Association of Psychotraumatology and the Trauma Research Foundation. And well, a little bit about me. I'm an expat. I'm Mexican and I have lived abroad for one year in Argentina and now nine years in Spain. And also these personal experiences have given me a lot of knowledge about life, about my relationships and how getting out of the comfort zone that I had in Mexico has gave me and to the expats a great expansion and self-knowledge. So yeah, it's not only about professionally working with expats, I have experienced that myself. That is so important, especially like in therapy when like as an immigrant and if I'm doing therapy with someone who is also an immigrant, it makes such a huge difference because you feel understood on a higher level. <laughs> so yes, thank um, you so much for sharing that with us and, you know, telling us a little bit about yourself. And I always say that immigration is a whole trip, like it's a whole thing. <laughs> But as you say, it does get you out of your comfort zone and gives you tons of self-knowledge. But before we dive into those positive aspects of migration, I want to talk about the not-so-positive side. <laughs> so, for example, you know, nowadays, it is very common to see memes online or like on social media, people joking about how moving out of their countries will solve their life's problems or how it will resolve their existential crisis And as you say in your book, like it is very common that people romanticize immigration. And even I romanticized migration before immigrating. I was like, yes, my life is going to change. And it did. But it isn't always rainbows and butterflies like in Emily in Paris, let's say. <laughs> so I understand that there are several types of migrations. But today I do want to focus on voluntary migrations. So when we decide, like, you know what, I want to move out of my country and go somewhere else. So based on your experiences as an immigrant and as a therapist who has worked with many patients, I'd like to start with a, like I said, not so positive side, which in your book you say is loss. 
And mm-hmm. I want to ask you, what are the losses that we experience when we immigrate? Totally. Well, there are several things that even us, uh, voluntarily migrants, we lose. We go through several griefs at the same time. And we lose the people. Uh, we lose our loved ones, our family, our friends, even people that were in our daily routines. Maybe we didn't have that emotional connection, but like seeing them daily and feeling these familiar faces, like we lose them. Also, the culture is lost. Often the language, other times the lifestyle, the traditions and the way we were used to many things, our routines, our, you know, cultural traditions, etc. Other times we lose the geography. For example, our bodies are used to some kind of weather, to the landscapes that we were used to and that we love to see, right? Because they symbolize our land, our country. We also lose objects and material things. For example, a house, a car, our bed, our clothes sometimes, things that we need to leave behind or that we could not bring to our new cities or countries. We also lose everything we had built, a professional career, our goals. We lose even ourselves for a time because we will not longer be the same, even if we return to our countries. And this process of coming to a new country, there's a part of it that we feel like I cannot be myself. And until we rebuild ourselves, we feel like we have lost ourselves. And that fact, that situation can make us feel a lot of emotional discomfort. It can make us feel anxious. It can make us feel sad. It can make us feel afraid. It can make us feel we make the wrong decision. We go through many losses and also crises. Thank you so much. Yes, I'm familiar with those. hundred <laughs> percent. When you were talking about losing the geography, like I told you in the Spanish version, for me it was the beach and the mountains are here and very beautiful lakes, you know, and I've learned to like enjoy them and appreciate them, but it's not the beach. <laughs> Totally, totally. In my case, for example, I miss a lot and I'm from Mexico City, but I think Mexico City has a lot of trees and green areas. And here in the city that I live now, Seville, it doesn't have many trees. So when I go to Mexico, it's like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. Everything is so green, all the like big parks, the big trees, etc. So yeah, it's something that we have like all our life. And that when we don't have it anymore, we miss it. So it's very natural to feel like this nostalgia, even for the geography, right? For what the landscapes. Like you say, right? Like, I feel like we lived there so many years and all of a sudden, like, just move somewhere. It's like, yes. right? Totally. So yeah, I'm excited about what you're going to tell us about the grief. Because when we immigrate, we experience this paradox in which all we want to do is enjoy our new home. But at the same time... We begin to miss what we lost, right? So we just talked about like, for me, the beach, for you, the trees. But we, like you said, we lose our relatives, culture, and many other things that you've already mentioned. So can you explain more about migratory grief and how do we experiment it physically and psychologically? Of course. Migratory grief is a natural psychological process of internal reorganization after the crisis and changes of moving abroad and living the life that we had. So it's a natural process that every expat is going to experience in a minimum or maximum way. It depends in each circumstance of each expat right? Like if it depends on each personality or the context they left behind or the context that they arrive. But 
all of us expats, we experience migratory grief in a certain way. It is also all the emotions and the adaptation process experienced by us, by the people who emigrate to another country. And this process can include feelings of loss, sadness, loneliness, anxiety, uncertainty, nostalgia for our country of origin, even guilt, feeling guilty of like, oh my God, I left my... <laughs> fall behind. Oh my God, maybe I made the wrong decision. So these emotions are very natural and are part of migratory grief. And also another thing to say um, that is very important is that migratory grief, differently to the grief, for example, that we experience uh, for the death of a loved one, in that case, the beloved person disappears, right? It's not anymore. But in the migration, no one disappears. Our people, our family, our country, the places that we are missing, they're there in another place. It's more that there is a separation from the country of origin. It's there, but I'm not there anymore, which is still, it creates this sensation of this country of origin is remains behind and this causes that the migratory grief is recurrent. Why? Because I can remember what I lose constantly and I'm constantly not choosing it, right? I, I don't know if I'm explaining myself. Yeah, like uh, as if you were rejecting it and then feel guilty about it. <laughs> yes, more or less. It's like, for example, when someone is dead, I know that there's not the possibility anymore to see that person. Right. I'm going to miss him or her, but I know that it's not possible to see each other again. But when I'm in another country, I can go to my country. I can see my family. I can go back to my country, but I'm choosing every day to not do that. So that's why the migratory bereavement is recurrent and also prolongs in our entire life when we are in another country. It is also a transgenerational grief. Uh, for example, in expat families, what it is not processed and accepted by the first migrants, by the first generation of migrants, it affects the next generation. So it is very important to process the grief. It is very important to try to adapt because whatever we're not able to deal with, we're going to pass it to our kids, to the next generations. That's also very important to say. Also about the grief, it's important to say that physically, when we experience migratory grief, many of our basic needs can suffer alterations. It is very normal and common when we are grieving abroad that, for example, we have a struggle with our sleep, lack of sleep or insomnia or nightmares. Also, it affects our appetite. We can feel lack of appetite or we can feel this emotional eating, right? Like wanting to <laughs> yes. eat a lot, feeling hungry all the time because it's emotional. Also, there are many expats that present, for example, skin and dermatological problems. Because of the change of weather, the change of the water we get showered with, there are many things that affect our body and our physical needs. That's also very common. When you said anxiety, like I remember dealing with a lot of anxiety, especially when after I finished school and like my immigration honeymoon phase was over, like I had to deal with reality and like get a job and, you know, move ahead. So I didn't know what was happening to me, but it was that and I had the privilege of being able to see a therapist and like work on that. But yeah, I remember I had like stomach issues and like I almost got a surgery and everything and it was psychological, which is crazy to me. <laughs> so please 
everyone see a therapist if you have a chance <laughs> talking about therapists and you know mental health and well-being how can we deal with migratory grief in a healthy way okay this is very important first of all i think when we talk about a mental health it's important to talk about prevention a way to prevent struggling a lot with my migratory grief as i said is normal but it can get heavy if we don't if we don't prepare to migrate if we don't migrate in a conscious way how to do that first of all prepare on not migrating from idealization and romanticizing migration this american dream european dream or thinking that migration will change your life and all your problems will be solved that's the first thing right like to do it in a conscious way in a mature way and it exists like romantic love to stop believing in romantic migration right there's no place that is going to change your life and make you not have any problem at all and not suffer and not be in an uncomfortable situation ever that that's not possible that's not that's not real this will allow us to face migration in a healthier and more effective way because it will be a realistic perspective of migration that's the first thing that comes to my mind the second is when you already migrate stop fighting to the process stop fighting to the emotional process and also to the adaptation process. It's important to normalize that in the face of any change, we will face a crisis. And we have a very negative vision about this word crisis, but crises <laughs> are just that, the feeling that we're facing to something new and how that forces us to develop learning. That's a crisis. The moment where I need to learn because I'm in a new circumstance or new situation. That's it. And that I need to develop new skills and to adapt to that. When we accept that, the initial emotional discomfort is natural and we do not avoid it. And we listen to it and learn through it and go through it. That helps us to adapt and that helps us also to grow. Okay, so that's very important. And third, I think that also to process migratory grief in a healthy way, it's important to remember that there are not magical recipes. I would like to have a pill for everyone and say, take this and you will not suffer at all and you will adapt totally. But that's not true. And I don't think that will happen. Sorry for that. But as there are not magical recipes for processing any grief, we need to think that the emotional pain of a loss needs to be experienced to be healed and relief. We need to go through that. And it is important in this case to give a space to our emotions. It doesn't matter which emotion is. To let anger, to let sadness, to let fear, to have a space in our life. To talk about this, that we do not demand ourselves to feel something different or to force ourselves to live as if nothing has happened. So it's important to accept this to ourselves, but also to share it. Share with your people, open to your people express to your family, to your friends in your uh, country, but also in the new country, what you are feeling. When we let ourselves be vulnerable, when we share what we are feeling, it gives us relief, it makes us feel connected, and it helps us to process the emotional discomfort. That's the third thing that I will say that it will help to process migratory grief. Thank you so much, Irene. I love that about sharing it with people close to you. So it doesn't feel like a heavy burden, like you feel lighter once you let it out. And even what you said about grief too, like I feel like this is just me like putting all my emotions out in the internet. But like, I feel like I held back on my emotions uh, for a long time and I was experiencing so much anxiety as well. 
So now that I've gotten better about feeling my negative emotions, things have been way easier for me. <laughs> But as you say, right, like there is no magic recipe to deal with grief and every process is different. And well, I also feel like as immigrants, we recognize the different challenges we've endured throughout our journey living in a new country. Like you said, right, like talk to people in your country. I feel like I am very inclined to speak with other immigrants and feel like it doesn't matter where you are from, at least Like here in Canada, it feels like it doesn't matter where you're from. If you're an immigrant, like you're an immigrant, <laughs> like you know what it's like. <laughs> so it's kind of like an immediate connection. Like it doesn't matter where you come from. We share the same struggles of like missing home and dealing with the winter. <laughs> so it's easier. And we talk a lot about like these things. But for those who may not be immigrants, but are looking to move somewhere else or have loved ones who have immigrated and want to understand them better, I want to ask, what are the different challenges that we face as immigrants? Okay, well, there are as many challenges as expats in the world. It depends on many things in our personality, where we come from and where we go. But let's talk about the main ones or the most common ones. One that comes to my mind is one of our challenges is rebuilding ourselves professionally, <laughs> right? Because we cannot deny that money is not the most important, but money is necessary to live. Yes. <laughs> to live out of our comfort zone and out of our family's help. So finding a job, sometimes needing to legalize our diplomas and studies, or sometimes reinventing ourselves by creating a new business or changing our professional path. It's one of the main challenges that I see in many experts. And this could make people feel very overwhelmed, like feeling if I don't have a job or if I'm not able to have a profession, I'm not able to gain money. If I don't have money, I cannot sustain myself. I cannot pay for the basic needs. And I'm in the other part of the world without that. Oh, that puts me in a very vulnerable place. So this is one of the main things, right? This is a big challenge. Another challenge that I think we experience as expats is our long distance relationships with our loved ones, with our family, with our friends, even with, with our couples. I think this is one of the most difficult ones, learning to be away from the people we love and learn how to miss them in a way that is not painful and still be okay of living abroad. And it is not that we stop missing our people, but it is more about learning to miss them differently, learning to miss them and being able to create our own life without feeling guilty about being far away from them. That's very important. And also another challenge is the fact that we will start from zero. <laughs> Friendships, economically speaking, professionally, even with ourselves, like we reconstruct ourselves. So it's reconstructing who we are and what we want in life now in this other country, right? And sometimes migration can make us feel like this is a struggle, but also migration can help us to reflect the things that we really, we want in life, the things for one side we want to maintain of the life that we already have constructed in our countries, but also the things that we would like to change. This is an opportunity and we can reflect on. Another challenge and also opportunity, if we can say that, 
<laughs> because maybe it's a dual process. Yeah. It's adaptation and integration to a new culture, constructing relationships and trying to connect emotionally with people that has another perspective, another lifestyle, another, for example, cultural view at work, for example, or a cultural view of how they relate. Imagine this example. In Mexico, it's very common and we like a lot to do things at home, right? We like these reunions with friends, with music, etc. We can spend time inside our houses and we like to bring people to our homes. Yes. I think that is very Mexican. And for example, for me, it was very difficult that here in Spain, people love to be outside. And you tell them about going to your home and it's like, why I want to do that i want to go outside to a bar to a terrace you know like let's do something outside and for me it's like yeah it's okay i enjoyed that too but i want you to come and play board games at home and you know eat some tacos or pizza and it's like mm, no so <laughs> this adaptation and integration to a new culture and to different ways to relate it's also a challenge but also it could be like fun and something that expands the way that we see relationships Thank you. Yeah, like an open your perspective. When you were talking about reconstructing who we are, that was really like present with me in the last couple of weeks because I saw a friend recently and she's from Pakistan. And back in Pakistan, she was an engineer and she was working like building solar panels and stuff. And she modeled on the side in Pakistan. But then when she moved here with her husband, And she was like, I always liked fashion. I always liked makeup. I don't want to be an engineer anymore. My family is not here to put pressure on me. So she literally like, yeah, like when she moved here, like she was working like at a store, but she wasn't practicing like her engineering and career. And then, yeah, like she was working and she was, she also started like working here as a model on the side. But then, yeah, she was like, you know what? I'm going to start my own business. And now she has like a, clothing store that sells South Asian clothes and she's like the mind behind the whole business and her husband like supports her with marketing and photography and stuff but yeah it was very interesting and I, that really like reminded me of what you say in your book but also in previous conversations we have that it's a reinvention that is like so cool because sometimes we do things out of pressure but we don't really want them so I think immigration also serves as a way to free yourself from all those expectations and peer pressure. Totally, totally. And if we're able to switch that perspective from like the challenge versus the opportunity, and we can use migration as an opportunity to reconstruct ourselves in a way that make us feel better in life and feel happier and feel that we have, a, let's say, a deeper purpose or that we connect better with that purpose of life. So yeah. <laughs> yes like live your life more authentically like the way you really wanted to <laughs> thank you very much for talking about the challenges but also the opportunities so candidly and now we face different challenges we have some opportunities as well we also experience grief and like try to cope with everything all of everything that's happening everything everywhere all at once <laughs> and are trying to like cope with those in a healthy way but I feel like when you feel like you belong things are way easier so mm -hmm. I want to ask you how can we better integrate ourselves into a country or a new city mm -hmm. okay integration is a process that of course doesn't depend only on us it depends also on the country 
European the people we are surrounded by they are open and help us right uh, to be part of but what it's in our hands we can do several things to integrate better the first thing that comes to my mind and it's related to one of my challenges or what I struggled the most was comparison this is my suggestion is do not compare each country and each culture is unique and we cannot or should try to convert a place or people into our country <laughs> we need to accept the place and its people as they are this is something that happened to me I was all the time rejecting the Spanish way and all the time complaining and comparing what was better in Mexico or that in Mexico we did it in another way and that constant comparison didn't let me to appreciate what Spain was and until I realized that Spain was never going to be Mexico I wasn't able to be okay here so this is very important and what made me feel that I made pieces with my decision of being an expat here in Spain was stopping to compare Spain with Mexico and understanding that Spain has great things has great opportunities and that also Mexico has them and also it was part of like me trying to blame the country for the decision that I took you know like so so that's very important so another thing that comes to my mind is being flexible and open-minded of course if you go to another country the mindset will be different and people will act and think differently and traditions and the way things work will be differently but we need to respect that and adapt to that the rigid way will be as what i was experiencing at the beginning like wanting things to be in a certain way when I became flexible and say, okay, there are many ways and all of them have their advantages and disadvantages. All of them have this positive side and I can connect to that positive side. I relaxed and I started to enjoy and to feel that, yeah, I wanted to be part of this culture. That helped me a lot to take off that rigid point of view of things only working this way. <laughs> Another thing that can help is try to do your favorite activities, try to do your hobbies or even to try new activities. This is going to help you to get to know people with the same interests or to get to know people that are also doing this new different stuff. So this is very important by doing things and by creating hobbies that help us to relate with people and having connections and have relationships is a huge part of integrating to a place. We are part of a place when we are connected to people. So relationships are very important. Another thing that is very important is to learn the language because through language, we can relate to others. We can communicate and to express our needs, to express and communicate, to be able to exchange with others. But above all, through language, we can be ourselves. By not speaking the language, we will not be able to feel that we can be ourselves and that we can be part of it. So language is a main thing to prepare before migration. And another thing that comes to my mind to better adapt is to let us be vulnerable, to show ourselves as we are so we can create real and deep connections and interactions. If we put a mask, if we let people think that everything is okay, if we don't talk about what we miss or we don't talk about our struggles or we don't show these parts that maybe sometimes we feel afraid of people noticing them, we are going to just create superficial relationships and it's going to stay in that into like an interaction that wasn't deep so this is very important to open ourselves to show ourselves as we are and that will help people also to be vulnerable to what you just said about our connections to people that when you are part of something when you have connections to people or like you feel like you belong like to your connections I think that was something very 
big for me too. I felt very welcome. Uh, and I'm going to say like, oh yeah, like everyone has been like super nice there. I've been interested. Yes, I've experienced racism. But like overall, at least here, the culture in Canada is open to immigrants. And yeah, like I had a lot of like, I built a lot of connections because people were open. I learned about Canadian culture through people, but I feel like people have also learned about Mexican culture through me. <laughs> so I don't know, like, I really love what you said that, that, you know, you feel like you belong and like connected to a place when you have connections with people. Totally. So now I want to ask you as well, because you just talked about that by being vulnerable and not showing up with a mask, we can build deeper connections. And I guess that's what makes us feel like we belong and we feel happier where we are, even though it's far away from our place of origin. So I want to ask if you can elaborate on, yeah, like why is it important to be open and vulnerable and about their resilience too that we experience as immigrants? If you can tell us a little bit about that. Of course. Well, vulnerability help us bring to light all our emotions and process them. That's why it's so important. It takes a lot of courage to stand in front of the world without your armor or without your mask. But this is the only way to wear authentic and meaningful connections with others. That's it. <laughs> Resilience refers to both for one side to the process and the outcome of successfully adapting to difficult or challenging life experiences. In our case, as expats, migration, it's having the mental, emotional and behavioral flexibility and ability to adjust to both internal and external demands of living abroad. Being resilient does not mean that people don't experience stress, that, that we don't experience emotional discomfort or suffering or grief, migratory grief. Resilient means more about working through emotional pain and suffering and accepting that, being okay, accepting that, yeah, I'm feeling this, but this is going to help me to overcome and adapt better. Is that self-knowledge of, yeah, this is difficult, but I'm going to deal with this and I'm going to get stronger with this. That's the idea of resilience. And I have the skills. I have done it before. I had other difficult moments in my life. And when I think about them, now I can see which are the things that I did to overcome them. So when I remember that, I can use them in my present challenges. That's resilience. Remembering that I have the skills, the strengths, and the capacity to overcome difficulties. And that by doing that, I grow personally, I grow mentally, and that I expand myself. That's the idea. Thank you very much. Like we say in Mexico, if I fall seven times, I stand up eight times. <laughs> of course. <laughs> And I also wanted to ask you about identity because we've already talked a little bit about reinvention, right? Like, okay, it's also an opportunity to be what I wanted to be. But yeah, I feel like in my experience, it was also like hard to leave my old self behind that kind of grief of letting go of that part of myself. So yeah, like when we leave our old self behind and start becoming a new person as we adapt to a new place. I don't mean it in a way that where we stop being ourselves. I feel like when we immigrate or wherever we go, our true essence is still core values, whatever you will like to call it, is still there. But I do feel like sometimes the places we live, the people we meet, the culture we experience have a great influence on how we evolve. But how do immigrants experience this evolution or identity crisis? 
and how can we deal with it in a healthy way? As migratory grief is a natural part, identity crisis is also natural. At the beginning, we feel lost. And this is very normal because at the beginning, indeed, we might be a little lost trying to process all the changes and new stimulus and also trying to say, okay, I had these roles in my life, but I don't have them anymore in presence. Like I have them, but at distance, but now I don't know which roles I'm going to construct here. It's like a, a very difficult process. And we can use this process of organizing ourselves again as an opportunity As, as we said before, to be who we want to be. Which are the things that we value about ourselves as Mexicans or as Colombians, Peruvians, etc. And not only as Mexicans, not only to think about which were the things that we value ourselves from our culture, but as a person. This is a very important question to reflect. What I value about myself when I live in my country. And also to reflect on what we value about what we have learned in our countries. But at the same time, we what are the things that we value of the country, of the new culture and from the country that we now live in and what we want to integrate to the other version that we value? This means it doesn't mean that I need to forget about that version totally. It's more about what do I value and, and want to bring here in the present to this new life, to this new country, to this new phase in my life. But also what I like about these values of my new country and what do I want to bring to myself as a new self is like you add you don't rest right like that's the thing to remember that's one thing and also another thing that is very important is when we are in this identity crisis and we feel so guilty and we miss who we were and our families etc we forget that also being away from our families and our context help us to realize things that we weren't aware also it helped us to realize things we didn't like about that dynamic Or that we didn't even question that dynamic or who we were because that was an automatic process. We become that person automatically. We didn't like guess about it. It was like years pass, uh, life pass, and we were that person. But when we live abroad, we can question that. Why I was acting that way or thinking that way or feeling that way? Do I want to still think or behave that way or or feel that way? Or do I want to change the way I was feeling, thinking, behaving, and the dynamic that I had with other people? Distance can give us perspective of the things that we want to keep and the things and patterns we don't want to repeat and maintain. And As I said, crisis, we see it as a bad word. We give like a bad connotation, right? But crisis is the possibility to change and how we can adapt to the changes. So for an identity, it happens the same, not only for our context, it happens the same to us. Crisis can be very helpful to become a better version for ourselves, to feel more comfortable with ourselves and to heal things that maybe we even didn't notice before that were a problem. And that when we are in distance with that context and our family, we realize that we didn't like it or it wasn't healthy for us. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. I love what you said about crisis is also an opportunity for change, like for positive change and to become the person like you want to be. Yeah, like grab the things that you like, become the person you want to be. And yeah, like I feel like it's a lot, right? Like what you were saying about 
having a, a bigger perspective on things. Yeah, like sometimes I think about how I behaved in Mazatlan, like when I was a teen and how I behave now. And it's like, it's such a huge change. Sometimes I will, I did things that didn't really resonate with me, but just to belong to a group, to a community or Yeah, I've talked with other immigrant women and they're like, oh yeah, like I have a better relationship with my family now that we're at a distance, right? <laughs> It's so helpful for that, for sure. And now I want to ask as well, Irene, because I feel like we could also do like a whole other episode on this, but I've loved meeting people from all around the world. Like I, like, and like you said, right? Like getting to know new perspectives and new ways of seeing life. And I feel like I abducted easily to Calgary, which is the city where I live, because like I was curious, like, and I, I wanted to learn about the world. And so in your opinion, like, what are the benefits? Because I feel like when we're immigrants, sometimes we have this affinity bias, right? And I can be guilty of that too. Okay, Latina, Latina. And just like, okay, hello. <laughs> like, even if I'm Mexican, she's Colombian, like, it's okay. Like, we have similar cultures. But what's your opinion? And what are the benefits of building friendships or romantic relationships with people, with cultures that are different from ours? Okay, this is a great question because normally people is afraid of cultural differences. We try to feel connected by thinking that we need to feel the same, think the same, do the same. But relating to people from different cultures, it has a lot of advantages and cultural differences are amazing if we can see them in this perspective. What it comes to my mind is first that it enriches and expands our perspective of life. It broadens our way of living, right? Like knowing others cultures by relating to other people it give us information that we like were able to have in relationships in our own country right in our own culture so it helps us to say oh my god this is a way to like for example experience christmas or for example now that i have many european friends it's like oh my god they see work very different as mexicans they see it uh, not as a way of living but to live they don't push themselves as hard as for example mexicans that we do a lot and work a lot and it sometimes is not healthy how many energy we spend in our work life so it brings us another way to understand professional life love life i don't know like many things so it's amazing how it gives us different ways of thinking about things also by understanding that we are friends partners or we work with someone from another country or, or culture, we tend to do something that is very important in relationships, that is clarify and confirm that what we are saying and communicating is being received and understood as it really is. This type of relationships invites us to communicate in a more clear and detailed way and not to take for granted any idea or message. For example, it helps us to, yeah, of course, we came from different cultures. We maybe even uh, speak different languages. But as I know that, that that's a fact and a reality in our relationship, I will be more careful and, and will try to know if you're getting the message and the idea and to be more clear and detail more and not take for granted things. So this can help to have less misunderstandings that with people from an, from our same culture and our same language. What do you think about this? Which is your opinion on this? Yes, yes. I feel, yeah, we're able to have like, like a more direct conversation or communication, right? 
And it's funny because in Mexico, we sweeten things up. And ever since I moved here, I feel like I'm way more direct. I feel like I'm very cordial in my communication, but I'm more direct. And obviously, like in a respectful way, a couple of friends and I were chatting. You're going to laugh, but we were like Latinos. And so my boyfriend, he works with a Canadian company, but because he is Colombian, he knows Spanish and English. So his company, they asked him to like, talk with the Colombian staff that lives in Colombia. So he is very direct in his communication. And because that's like the Canadian way, I will say. But then the staff that are in Colombia, they're like, hey, like, are you all right? Like, do you have an issue with us? Because he's not sweetening things up. And that even happens to me too. Like when people send me an email and they're like, hey, Andrea, do this and that. And I'm like... How rude. Yes. Lisa, I am, please. Yes, I am the person. I am the annoying person that is like, hello, I hope that you had a great weekend. <laughs> I'm very cordial, but I am more, more direct. Even in my verbal communication, I used to walk on eggshells when I wanted to say something, for example, to my mom. And now I'm just like really straight. And yeah, I can see it from her face. She's like, okay, she didn't see it coming, but I was respectful. <laughs> so she can't tell me anything. Totally. But yeah, like you say, like it's good. So we know implicit messages are flying around. So thank you so much for that. And I want to ask you as well, like as an immigrant yourself and as a therapist, What's your advice in order to have a conscious migration? Okay, well, first of all, one of the things to prepare as much as you can emotionally. Um, preparing emotionally is like, okay, what? Say goodbye, make closures, try to solve personal issues, try to have important talks that you need to, try to let your people know how you appreciate them and be grateful with them about all the things that you have experienced or go through with them. Also, you can prepare legally by, for example, bringing all documents in order and approve and legalize. That's super important. You can prepare also emotionally, economically, earning money at least for three or six months, try to have a plan, right, to know how you're going to deal with expenses or know which are the expenses of that country of for example rent food etc knowing that will give you a certainty of like how many months you can deal with without a job also you can prepare culturally speaking by learning the language by trying to know about the main cultural and social values and rules of the country that you're arriving so that's very important because the more you know the more you are prepared the less intense the grief is going to be and also the easier you're going to adapt the less uncertainty you're going to experience and the most safe you're going to feel second be aware that there will be an adaptation process that will involve going through grief that it is going to involve some uncomfortable emotions or that sometimes you're going to feel that you are in emotional roller coaster sometimes you're going to feel joy and sometimes you are going to feel sad or nostalgic and Knowing this, already accepting, okay, it's not going to be totally perfect and satisfaction and pleasure, that is helpful. Like knowing that you're going to have your great days and that it's normal and it's going to be okay. The third thing is listen to your emotions and give them a space and a function. Be very aware of satisfying your personal self-care and your needs. This, you can do it by asking yourself what I'm feeling today and what I can do for myself today to feel better or which is the basic need that I have to fulfill today and what do I need 
to do or which actions I need to apply to fulfill this need. That's something that can help. For example, there are days that you will feel sad. Okay, what I can do to make myself feel better? Well, maybe for some could be like going to the gym and feeling better about it, <laughs> having some oxytocin. For other people could be like talking to a friend or for other people could be writing about their thoughts and emotions and giving a space to that. So yeah, that helps a lot to have a more conscious migration and to be more conscious about what I'm experiencing each day because day by day, this could change, right? Yeah, every day. It's a process for sure. And I like that, for example, in your book, you talk about how it's not like a hundred percent curable because if you go back to visit and then you come back to your host country, then the migratory grief can reactivate. But then it is good to know about these strategies. So it's not as bad or as heavy, right? Totally. And trying to learn skills for self-regulating ourselves. And when I say self-regulating is being able to sustain me uh, when I'm feeling uncomfortable emotions. And this could be meditating, mindfulness, having skills for emotional management. And you can do this by psychoeducating yourself or with a therapeutic process. There's not like an only path to learn these skills, but try to have your own tools. This could be very helpful to know that you have things that you can do and that you know when to use them when you feel some emotional discomfort or you're not in your best place to take you out from that. Yes. Thank you very much. And Irene, because you've told us a lot of like resources and what we, we can do, but as Irene, as you, who has been an immigrant for nine years and 10 years, because you also live one year in Argentina, from the bottom of your heart, what will be your advice for immigrants or new immigrants or people who are planning to immigrate? Okay, from the bottom of my heart, it comes to things is rem remembering that this is not an easy process and that you're already very brave for doing this, for taking the decision of leaving everything behind and try to create a new life in another country. So you need to remember this. You're brave and this is not easy, but this is not impossible. The second thing that comes to me, it's being compassionate. When I discover compassion and my relationship with myself and with myself and as an expat, with the challenges that I needed to overcome, it has changed a lot. Compassion is being kind and respectful with ourselves when we're experiencing difficulties or painful moments. And when I understood that sometimes I wasn't kind and I wasn't respectful and sometimes I was the hardest person, like, and very unkind and very rigid and very criticizing myself and blaming myself, I understood that I wasn't helping. When I started practicing compassion and being kind and being For example, taking care of my self-dialogue and the things that I uh, said to myself, the way that I was speaking to myself, the things that I choose to do for myself. And I started nurturing my self-care. My migration process changed a lot. And my relationship with myself changed a lot. So I think those are the main things. Remembering you're brave. This is not easy. And be compassionate. Be kind with yourself. Be warm with yourself. Be and treat yourself as you will treat and behave with someone that you love so much. Don't do the things that you will not do to your mother or to your sister or 
to the people that you love the most. Treat yourself as you will treat the people you love. That's my tip. <laughs> Thank you so much. That is beautiful. Yeah, I've been there too. Where I was really hard on myself and demand a lot of myself. And it's like, dude, take a chill pill. <laughs> like you are in another country. This is not like for me, English is not my first language. So like, take it easy, <laughs> right? I don't know why we are so hard on ourselves. Totally. The process is already difficult to make it ourselves more difficult, to make it more painful, to hurt so ourselves during the process. So do the things that will help you to feel relief. And sometimes we are so focused on the goals that we establish, the things that we set ourselves that we needed to achieve, that we forget on like, it doesn't matter if you achieve them, if you're mean to yourself during that process. So it's very important to be our best friend during the migration process. I love that. Yes. Like, what's the point if, like, yes, success, but at what cost? Like, what's the point of achieving all these goals if you feel like crap? Yeah, like you get there, but you're like, uh, then what? Right? So no. thank you so much, Irene. I know we covered a lot before we wrap up. Is there anything else that you'd like to say that you think it's important and I didn't ask you? Migration is something that we can keep talking like six, seven, 100 episodes more. But just to summarize, migrating is not easy and we need to remember that. But it is a very powerful experience and it can feed and nourish our personal growth process and help us to live life more consciously and mindfully. So use it as it is as an opportunity. Change your perspective of only seeing it as a challenging situation, but also see it as a very expensive life experience. That will be my summarize of this topic on today's episode thank you so much Irene it has been wonderful to be able to talk with you thank you so much for your time for your energy for sharing with us your personal experiences I feel like all us immigrants who are listening to this will feel very validated <laughs> so because like I said a lot of immigrants will listen to this podcast where can people Find your book now in English. And what are your social media channels? Thank you. Well, Andrea, first of all, it has been a pleasure. Thank you so much for inviting me. As I told you, this is my first interview in English. And I was a little bit nervous, but you make me feel very comfortable. And I really appreciate that. And for the people that is listening to me, of course, this is not my native language. So sorry if I didn't express totally perfect, but I tried to do it in the easiest way and also opening myself emotionally too. And well, about my... Social media channels and my book. My book is available on Amazon all around the world. The English version, you can find it as not from here nor from there. You can also add by Irene Paola del Valle or Irene del Valle and you will find it. The cover has like a like yeah. a glove in form of a heart. So you can know that that's a book. In Spanish version, you can like search it as Ni de aquí ni de allá, Irene del Valle. My social media, you can find me as Mentes en Equilibrio in YouTube, in Facebook. Facebook and Instagram too. And I also have two other accounts, Amar Sanamente, where I talk about relationships, about love relationships, couples and multicultural couples. And also I have my new account uh, called Psicología para el Corazón. You can find me also there. So thank you so much for everything. Uh, I appreciate this space and thank you so much, Andrew. I hope this is not the last time. Thank you, Irene. I'm sure it won't be the last. <laughs> and for everyone who is listening, I will leave the link to Irene's book and social media channels 
on the episode description so you can check them out. They're amazing resources. So Irene, again, thank you so much. Thank you very much for listening. If you'd like to support the show, you can share this episode with your friends, community, or with someone who may benefit from this conversation. You can also rate the show and leave a review and follow it on Instagram at project25.podcast. This is a one-woman show, so if you feel like donating as another way to support, you can go to paypal.me slash project25podcast. And finally, if you'd like to share your story or know someone who does, feel free to email me at andrea.project25 at gmail.com. You can also send me your comments and suggestions in case you want to see someone you like here. And that's all from me. Bye-bye!